Hello and welcome to I Want to Fight Araki, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Close Analysis Podcast. I'm Thomas. I'm Emily. And today we uh, probably what will turn out to be a beefer, um, because today we are covering Stardust Crusaders episodes 12, 13, 14, and 15. I think this is, is this the first time we've covered four episodes for a podcast? Correct. Yeah, so a lot to break down, and without further ado, why don't we get started with the summary? At Dio's mansion, Anyaba is suddenly overcome with immense pain, sensing her son, Jay Guile, is dead. Thus, she orders the stand user behind the Empress to kill the Crusaders, slowly as punishment. Meanwhile, the Crusaders head to their next destination, Varanasi, along, along with Nina, Whole Horse's former lover. Polnareff begins flirting with Nina, but she is unresponsive. When the group arrives, Joseph notices that the growth on his arm, acquired from helping Nina earlier, has begun to swell, and he heads to the doctor's office. The doctor says it has to be removed, and as Joseph turns away from the operation, the doctor is suddenly killed with his own scalpel. The growth develops a face and reveals itself to be the Empress. When the nurse walks in, the Empress compromises Joseph by giving out his name and hotel, and Joseph books it out of the office to go into hiding. Joseph attempts to remove the Empress via both a wall spike and Hamon, but both are useless as police are called to Joseph's location by the Empress. Joseph begins running through a market to find a solution and nearly finds Polnareff before Nina distracts the Frenchman. As he continues to run, he notices various fruits and vegetables fall out of the rag he was keeping the Empress in, causing it to grow to the point where it can kill Joseph. The two tussle, and Joseph is knocked into a table holding pots of ash. He runs off and desperately tries to find a solution. Eventually, Joseph finds a barrel filled with a black liquid and attempts to drown the Empress, only for the Empress to reemerge, this time with a nail to Joseph's neck. The stand explains that it picked up the nail when Joseph was knocked into the table, and as Joseph's robot hand begins to fall apart from the attack, the Empress suddenly stops. Joseph reveals that in the same tussle, he used Hermit Purple on the Ash to create a map of the city and find the nearest tar barrel. With the Empress immobilized, Joseph uses Hermit Purple to strangle and rip apart the Empress. Just as Polnareff is about to kiss Nina, though, her body begins convulsing, and a fat old woman bursts out of Nina, revealing her to be the true stand user. The group heads out of the city to escape the police, but as they leave, another mysterious car follows behind them. The following morning, the group head ends up traveling behind the mysterious car. Polnareff decides to pull ahead, but accidentally hits the car with some pebbles. As they move down the road, however, the group meets up with Anne once again, where she is hitchhiking. As they continue to drive, the mysterious car from earlier pulls ahead, but then immediately slows down. Eventually, the driver tells them to pass, but when Polnareff does so, the car comes face-to-face with a truck. Star Platinum punches the truck to prevent it from going off the road, which causes the Crusader's vehicle to flip in midair, but land safely. The group decides to stop at a rest stop to avoid the red car and cool off, but when they arrive, they notice the red car hiding out nearby. They interrogate the patrons, believing the car to be a stand, but when they do so, the red car speeds off. Deciding that if this is a stand, it needs to be taken care of, the group pursues it, but when they turn turn the corner chasing after the car, Polnareff nearly flies over a cliff along with the group. He stops, but the red car begins hitting it to knock the Crusader's car over the cliff. They eventually do, but Hierophant Green uses the winch of the Crusader's car to attach it to the red car, and Star Platinum is able to to pull down the red car, causing it to switch positions with the Crusader's car and sending the red car into the ravine. The group takes a moment to catch their breath when suddenly a voice begins emitting from the car radio saying that it's a stand, the Wheel of Fortune and that it cannot be destroyed. After this, the red car burrows up from the ground. It begins fixing and modifying itself with spikes as Jotaro prepares to attack it with Star Platinum. However, Joseph warns everyone to be careful as Wheel of Fortune releases a shockwave that creates holes in Jotaro, Polnareff, and Kakyoin. The group books it away from the Wheel of Fortune by hiding in a crevice. However, Wheel of Fortune modifies itself again to pursue them. Anne falls behind, but is saved by Jotaro as they climb up a cliff for safety. As Wheel of Fortune climbs the cliff, Jotaro readies himself for an attack, but just as he does so, the stand user points out 
that they are all covered in gasoline, as Wheel of Fortune's ability allows it to fire highly pressurized droplets of gas. The user releases some sparks from Wheel of Fortune, lighting Jotaro on fire and seemingly killing him. He prepares to do the same for the rest of the group, but is caught off guard when Jotaro appears from the ground perfectly fine. He reveals that he merely used his coat as a cover and unleashes a power and burrowed into the ground using Star Platinum. He unleashes a powerful stand rush on the stand user, and Wheel of Fortune reverts back to its junky base as the group ties up the user and heads toward their next destination. Meanwhile, back at Dio's mansion, Anyaba decides that because of all the stand users she sent failed, she will finish the group herself with the power of her stand, Justice. As the group sends Anne back home and Jotaro gets a new jacket, they head off into Pakistan. As they drive along the cliffside, more and more fog begins to set in, and the team elects to settle down for the night in the town below the cliffs. As they drive in, Jotaro notices the corpse of a dog on a pike, but eventually writes it off, believing he was seeing things. The group parks, and Joseph asks the locals for directions, but they seem unresponsive. Instead, they ask another man sitting on the street, who they discover has keeled over dead. Kakiolian asks the locals to call the police, but they once again are unresponsive. Jotaro examines the man's body and discovers several small holes throughout, but no blood leaking out. At this moment, Enyaba appears from the fog. Under the guise of a kindly hotel owner, she leads them to her place of business, all while imagining the way she will kill them. Everyone signs in, and while Polnareff searches for the bathroom, Jotaro, Kakiolian, and Joseph attempt to get a TV working to use Hermit Purple, but to no avail. At this moment, suddenly Whole Horse appears in the hotel on the trail of the Crusaders. And Yaba breaks down out of happiness that Jay Giles' quote, best friend is there to help her exact her revenge. As Old Horse tries to comfort her, though, she stabs him in the wrist with a pair of scissors, saying that he abandoned Jay Giles. And Yaba then shows off the power of her stand as the blood is drained from Whole Horse's wound, leaving a hole like the man outside. The fog then wraps itself around the hole, acting like the string of a marionette. Whole Horse attempts to counterattack with the Emperor, but accidentally shoots himself in the face because of justice. Just as Anyaba is about to finish Whole Horse, though, Polnareff walks downstairs looking for the bathroom. Waiting for the right moment to strike, Anyaba feigns an injury and uses justice to move Whole Horse's corpse out of view. Polnareff takes a shine to Anyaba, saying that he can be her son for the day. This enrages Anyaba, who attacks Polnareff, but Whole Horse recovers and manages to warn Polnareff in time for Silver Chariot to block her scissors. With Anyaba outmatched, she summons her zombie army to attack Polnareff, forcing him to run and hide away from the horde. He ducks inside the bathroom of the hotel long enough to get some distance from the army, but when he checks the keyhole for safety, one of the zombie's tongues forms into a spear that pierces Polnareff's own tongue. Justice takes control of Polnareff's tongue and forces him to lick the toilet in the bathroom. Suddenly, Jotaro walks into the lounge, and Anyaba tries to cover her actions. She explains to Jotaro, who is looking for Polnareff, that Polnareff is in the bathroom. But just as Jotaro is about to be stabbed in the back by Anyaba, he trips her and asks her how she knew his name when nobody has said it. She says that she knew from the guest book, but Jotaro takes out the guest book to reveal that he actually signed as Kudaro Kujo. With the facade broken and Whole Horse having saved Polnareff, as well as warning Jotaro about Anyaba's abilities, Anyaba unleashes her army on Jotaro, which she effortlessly defeats thanks to Star Platinum. Jotaro, however, is stabbed in the ankle by a baby zombie, but Jotaro says that the battle is finished and that she won't take another breath. When Anyaba tries to, however, she can't, as Jotaro reveals that he's been using Star Platinum to inhale justice over time. This causes Anyaba to suffocate and eventually fall over unconscious. As the crew recovers, they see that the fog from the town, they see the frog, the fog from the town recede, revealing it as a mass gravesite. While Jotaro ties up Anyaba in rope, saying that she will be necessary to interrogate. Whole Horse, meanwhile, steals the group's jeep, but as he rides off, he advises the crusaders to kill Anyaba as soon as possible, as Dia will be sending more stand users after them. End of episodes. Q. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Cutero. Yeah, Q. I don't know how to pronounce that name, whether it's like Cutero, Kataro. I, like to... I don't know. I just like to say Cutero because it sounds stupidest. <laughs> it's like a. Uh, 
uh, people named Catherine, but like Catherine spelled with a Q. Catherine. <laughs> why, um, why Q? I just I will always wonder. Out of all the possible things he could have changed his name to, <laughs> why Q? <laughs> it could have been anything else, but he picked Q. I'd like to buy a vowel. Q. <laughs> <laughs> Q is a vowel. Is a vowel. It's happening. It is. Um, anyway, uh, why don't we do the the tarot breakdown right now? Always a good time. So. Uh, the first one is the Empress, which represents uh, divine femininity. Oh, I, I'm sorry. In upright, it represents divine femininity, sensuality, fertility, nurturing, creativity, beauty, abundance, and nature. While in reverse, it represents insecurity, overbearingness, negligence, smothering, lack of growth, and a lack of progress. I so. mean... And Yaba is a mom. <laughs> uh, it's the Empress. Oh, for some reason. I don't know why the heck I was thinking that. We were like, talking about Justice, and- the Empress, what is what? <laughs> okay, now I have to change my entire brain work cell of brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was... So funny. the Empress, um, or Nana, Nina, your yes. name, whatever it is. It's probably like the least connective one i would say that we've encountered so far i mean in her fake you know you know what was revealed to be fake you know she was pretty lady i guess so that's one thing yeah. she was just like i am an innocent woman i do nothing wrong the only but thing then you've I... got the stand that's just like a goblin a tumor goblin <laughs> um <laughs> goblin. i the only thing i can really think of is that so like nurturing like with they they use a lot of like nurturing and like parent child language when Joseph is talking uh to the empress it's like um very cursed yeah it it, it makes things weird for sure um the dill hunters are here <laughs> this is a really weird poll but there's a there's an obscure doom patrol villain called the beard hunter the beard hunter, he hunts beards. Yeah, he just wants to kill people with like really awesome facial hair. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, because he can't grow any himself. That's any so petty. sad. Um so... He just wants a really rad beard, but he can't have one. How sad. <laughs> um, and uh <laughs> I'm just imagining now the Dilf Hunter where it's the exact same thing. But you know. Anyway, um oh boy. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I can't really think of any of these other words, upright or reverse, really relating to the Empress. Um, I really can't, other than that whole, you know, weird parent-child thing that they had going on, and also, mm-hmm. like, the weird parody of, I don't know, I, I thought of, I thought, like, the tumor stand goblin thing is, like, a weird parody of femininity. It was just, like, this goblin but i don't Maybe. have much to say on that i mean it's got like it's got like boobs right it does, like. but like <laughs> its face is like <laughs> goblin Maybe it's a metaphor saying Maybe that that all women are just gonna drain you of your your resources and eventually <laughs> try and kill you and that you need to you need to cover them in tar as soon as possible <laughs> Welcome to InfoWars, guys. <laughs> anyway, quick I'm your host, Alex Jones. <laughs> I'm gonna, they're putting chemicals in the water to turn the frogs gay. Guys, you gotta wake up. This is an important issue. The frogs are gay, guys. There's gonna be no more frogs. They're not gonna reproduce anymore. The frogs are all gonna die. <laughs> That was a joke for the record. I don't think that's what's actually going on. I don't want to be canceled, please. <laughs> um, Hashtag let's not cancel Thomas, please. <laughs> anyway, um, I guess we can just move on to the Wheel of Fortune. Um, my stand is car. Car. <laughs> that, is, that is my soul. Uh, so anyway, upright, it represents uh, change, cycles, fate. Decisive movement, luck, fortune, and unexpected events. 
While in reverse, it represents bad luck, lack of control, clinging to control, unwelcome changes, and delays. Uh, so I mean, they certainly did delay them from, you know, yeah. getting to the next town, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, I would say probably the most... Uh, the the ones that relate the most are probably a change because in a literal sense the wheel of fortune i guess is sort of um like it can shifting car right the car like continues to transform and change and stuff like that um and then maybe like decisive movements because um even though it's a car it can like you know move up walls and like underground and stuff all this crazy stuff so like um it's got like decisive you know precise movements in that aspect even though it's a car and you wouldn't think like it would be that precise it's a Um, duck boat (laughs) it's a it's a boat but it drives on land um my stand is a duck boat that's it It's going to be very fitting when I go back to Boston land. My stand <laughs> top boat. It's a strength minor, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, strength, but can go on land. And also <laughs> not as big. And also not orangutan that is a pervert. Yeah, it's, it's a duck that's a pervert. <laughs> it's the master of the stand. Um, anyway. Um... I do you have anything else to say about the Wheel of Fortune? I literally don't. All right. That's probably like it to me, probably it's a fun episode, but it's probably one of the more forgettable ones for sure. Yeah, it's I would agree for sure. Um, not much happens, like, there's there's nothing thematically interesting that well, actually, there was one thing that happened that was kind of thematically interesting, but we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. I think the bulk of our discussion is going to be spent on the the justice episodes. Indeed, uh, which but are I, the two some of the funniest episodes. And yeah, not gonna lie, they're funny. Um. So speaking of justice, um. So upright justice uh, represents justice. No shit. Uh, karma, consequence, accountability, law, truth, honesty, integrity, and cause and effect. While in reverse, it represents injustice, retribution, dishonesty, corruption, unfairness, and avoiding accountability. See, this makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, like, in the upright, it was like, yes, um, Anyaba wants to get revenge for her son. And that is a thing, because, you know, Polnareff killed him, so she's like, I must kill Polnareff. But then you got the fact that her son kind of maybe raped and murdered his little sister, and that's where you get the reverse dishonesty right there. I mean, like, she's like, oh, my son is so pure and noble, like, how dare he? And I'm like, pure and noble my ass, okay? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point you bring up, because it's sort of like dishonest to... Because I was thinking in a much more literal sense where she is, you know, being dishonest to the the Crusaders about, like, who she is. Um, But you are right. Like, she is sort of being dishonest to herself in that, like, it's not like Jay Guile was a good guy, you know. Um, But, like, she's like, oh, he's in heaven and stuff like that. I I, I highly doubt that. Yeah, um... And also avoiding accountability is kind of like that. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, definitely. Where she doesn't want to, like, take responsibility that, like, you know, maybe Jay Guile was a, a bad dude, but, you know. I love how Polnareff got revenge on some dude whose mom wants revenge on him for getting revenge on her son. So you're just going to get revenge on the guy who got revenge on your son, and now you're getting revenge for him getting revenge on your getting the happy birthday? <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's like Harley Quinn, the animated series, tells us, you gotta kill the bloodline. <laughs> Have you seen that Vine, Thomas? No, that I haven't. Vine. You just go. You just go bring a birthday gift. My birthday. I have a birthday with a birthday gift with the birthday. Happy birthday! <laughs> Smashes a glass into the other person's face. You <laughs> just thought of that with revenge. So you're just gonna get revenge on him for getting revenge. Happy birthday! 
that's pretty good. <laughs> that's like the first thing I thought of when like they confronted each other and, and Yappa was getting pissed off at Paul Nareff just for <laughs> existing. I wonder if you could also tie in corruption with this as well, where sort of Enyaba using justice has um, corrupted the the townspeople. Um, like and they're essentially zombies, right? Like they all get turned into zombies. Um, they're like you know, I, I dropped something. <laughs> barely alive, like you know, barely sentient in any in, in any respect. Um, and especially the fact that the 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 quote unquote town is like a graveyard like that's sort of a, a perversion of a graveyard you know which is supposed to be sort of a a holy place and like a place where you know it, it, it's disrespectful to like alter it you know it's like you ever seen poltergeist like they don't they be build, doing you, that you build a house on top of an indian burial ground that is you know it's not gonna work out <laughs> oh gosh i saw this meme or something where it was it was like gosh things in the u.s are so bad lately i wonder if it was like the, it seems like the whole place was built on like a native american <laughs> burial ground or something i saw that too yeah <laughs> i was like that is so 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 just so it's such a hot take it's Call so like out. it's so depressing but like so so true at the it's same. funny because it's true it's very funny because it's true <laughs> um yeah so um i so all right all right these are right. mostly comedic focused episodes oh yes i don't um, have a whole lot of smart things to say but i do have a lot of silly things to say sort of and i think i don't know i kind of want to think about this a little bit in like a, a meta sense where oh, i have some thoughts so particularly about the justice episodes where we've actually there's like a lot of build-up to this this two-parter with justice um you know when polnareff is introduced we get the idea that um you know uh, a man with two right hands killed his sister. Uh, we figure out who that sister is in the yellow temperance fight. Um, then Polnareff kills him in the, the episodes after. Um, and then um, we keep seeing, after the Empress fight, um, it, we see Enyaba's takes, you know, her getting frustrated um and then uh after wheel of fortune as well um is sort of like that's like the last stand she sent after him um and she's like you know fuck it i'm gonna do it myself um so there's a lot of serious build up to this and then the episodes are mostly like comedic in nature it's essentially like you know polnareff is totally oblivious about what is going on and there's just a lot of um like wacky internal monologue and over the top stuff i and like zombies like out of nowhere like it it's it sort of makes me wonder you know uh, about what is if something is being said and if something is being said you know how how does that play into the fact that we have a lot of serious buildup for what is essentially uh, a comedy episode? I feel like it's sort of so. You know, we had the Emperor and the Hangman episodes, which were very much on the serious side. Those mm -hmm. are some of the you know most intense episodes in this part. But then you got you know, yeah. You know, what what what's his name was a really bad dude, right? Mm -hmm. And what's his name jay guile was a really bad dude we do not vibe with him at all um but then you got Enyaba, who is just completely delusional about him she's like ah yes my beautiful son who's never done anything wrong before so it almost makes sense why these episodes were silly because her her grief and her desire for justice are not justified which is i i feel i, I just i feel like that makes it makes sense in that way where it's like okay this is 
the fact that she wants this and the fact that she believes that her son was right is just really stupid and we're not going to take it seriously because it was really stupid. I, 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 I really like that. We, we, we got a galaxy brain moment out of these episodes. Um, we do. How about that? I, I, th- I think that's actually really super smart. Um, especially Jeez, when, how'd that happen? <laughs> when you think about it and like how it's framed where, I mean, again, we've been, there's a lot of buildup towards Polnareff's, um, encounter with Jay Guile, but I think the fact that where Polnareff is, you know, not just one of our protagonists, um, where, you know, we relate to him, we want to see him, you know, be victorious, um, you know, framing the story, uh, with Polnareff as a protagonist, um, it, you know, makes us feel like his revenge is justified, even though he doesn't, you know, necessarily go about it in the most correct way. You know, we still, like, are fundamentally taught to believe that, like, Polnareff's desire for revenge is correct, whereas opposed to um, and Yaba, who, you know, I, I, I haven't brought her up a lot in the summaries, but, you know, we see her pretty frequently. Um, and, you know, she's framed as a villain. And, like, I, I think in an objective sense, like, it's totally correct to say that Anyaba's, uh, you know, desire for revenge is unjustified, even if it is understandable. Um, like, Jay Giles a bad dude. Like, he, you know, no one should get revenge for that guy. Um, but, yeah, that's that's a really brilliant way of of thinking about these episodes. Good. <laughs> we said something smart. Yay. Quote Jay Guile was just like completely irredeemable. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I think especially, um, you know, I think accountability, uh, just bringing back to like the tarot stuff as well, is a, a, a tie-in where um, she says that like whole horse abandoned Jay Guile. But like, if you think back to those episodes, it's not, it's not really necessarily what happens. It's more like... Yeah, Whole Horse was actually, like, not lying when he said that, yo, he was already dead when I got there. Yeah, he was already dead, and, like, you know, um, Polnareff and Kakyoin were, like, in a car, and, like, there's no way that Whole Horse could have, you know, caught up to them in time. However, he has been known to randomly acquire horses whenever he wants them. That's true. His Maybe name's... that's another part of his stand's power. He can just randomly summon a horse. <laughs> There's an episode of uh, of Dragon Ball Z Abridged where um, they they actually like are poking fun at a a JoJo, but Krillin and, Krillin and Gohan are fighting this guy who has the ability to stop time, and they do the whole steamroller thing. And and Krillin just goes, it's like, Gohan, his ability, he can summon steamrollers. <laughs> oh, wait, I think I've seen that. It's like the same thing with Whole Horse. He can yeah. summon horses. And guns. And guns. That's yeah. the most American thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he's, he's a cowboy, so. Whole Horse um, is definitely American. There's no way that he isn't. Mm-hmm. You could, it's just, just look at his face. <laughs> His, his punchable face. His very punchable face. All Americans have punchable faces. I would know. I have a very punchable I'm face. American. Everyone here has a punchable face. Um, That's why people get punched so often here. I don't uh, even know so what that means. Just to, just to jump around uh, for a second. Um... Uh, the Empress episodes, I have, like, one or two things to to say about those. Oh, um, I do have things as well. Yeah. All did, of them are about Joseph. Did you want to add more to the, the Justice episodes? Probably not, no. Okay. Yeah, so the Empress stuff. Um, this is the first time where we get a Joseph-focused episode. in uh, a Joseph-focused episode, yes. In, in Stardust Crusaders. And I actually think it's it's really brilliant it's a nice continuation of um sort of 
how he was in battle tendency. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they do a lot of uh, really nice stuff in terms of continuing it. Um, Emily, did you want to you want to bring up some specific stuff? Oh, I do have some specific stuff though. Um, it's just it's literally like watching him in battle tendency, but not because he's old and just. Right. Um, you got him saying, "You're no match for the cunning of Joseph Joestar," or something along <laughs> that, and then immediately in his monologue, he's like, "Oh shit, how am I gonna get out of this one?" <laughs> That was. I feel like that was his vibe throughout the entirety of Battle Tendency. He was like, "Yes, I'm confident," and he's like, "Oh no, I think I might die." <laughs> Not to mention, this whole episode was just like it was probably the perfect stand fight to give him mm-hmm. because it's such a weird stand. He had to use Brain of Cell to win. Um, and also something really interesting that I noticed that's just like kind of out of nowhere, but his stand is a per like Joseph's stand is a perfect representation of his fighting style. Mm-hmm. Like his stand literally has clairvoyance and his whole thing was, I know what you're going to say next. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, that, that part is, it comes back. We get a lovely callback that makes me happy when the Empress predicts what he's thinking in the beginning of the fight. But, oh boy, do the turntables when he <laughs> predicts what she will say at the end. And then he gave us the good old quote, when your opponent starts boasting, you've already won. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah, I, I, I mean, all the stuff that you brought up there is, is so great. Um, it's, it's really what funny. makes this episode uh, a lot of fun is um, that I, I think um, we... So, like, uh, Hermit Purple, they sort of have this running theme where it's sort of like, uh, you know, a, a much, much weaker stand compared to um, everybody else's. Um, but I think, again, like, he uses it in uh, creative ways. I, I love the detail about when he's, you know, uh, in, he's rolling around in the ash and he uses Hermit Purple to create a map. Um, Such a Joseph thing to do. Yeah, it's a really cool way of using his stand. And I think, uh, as sort of we brought up um, earlier in the Stardust Crusaders discussion, I think um, when Araki writes the fights um, out of the box, like thinking about the the stand powers in very, you know, various like non-traditional ways is when the fights are at their best. Um and I think he, he does that with Hermit Purple here. Um, I think as well, um, it, it's just a very satisfying episode in terms of um, the way it's written. I mean, like, the Empress is, like, seemingly, like, impossible to beat. Like, um, just like a certain other person that he wants defeated. Exactly. Um and sort of the fact that like once he finally like he so like the way he beats it is he wraps it in hermit purple and then attaches hermit purple to um the top of like it's like a a a metal bar or something and then runs up the side of the wall and jumps back down it's like you know he probably could have you know, killed it just by standing and using Hermit Purple to strangle it. But just the fact that he finishes it off in such a flashy way is is very satisfying. Um, I think. It's just a good episode. Yes. Very very solid all around. Nice, nice Some nice uh, Joseph moments. Uh, one thing I think is interesting um, about Joseph again is sort of uh, you know as we said many times the character arcs are a lot more subtle here than in uh battle tendency um but and this is this is after wheel of fortune um but when he's uh Anne is like not wanting to to leave the group and Joseph explains like look like the reason we're here is because my daughter Holly is 
you know, very sick, like her sand is going to kill her, and we need to kill Dio to save her, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very worried about her because she's my daughter, but I can't be with her, and, you know, him saying that is um, what sort of gets Anne to get on the plane. Um, like, it's a much more sensitive, like, you know, I think a lot of the best moments, and for good reason for Joseph, are uh, comedic in nature, like jokey and stuff like that. But this is a rare moment where he's very genuine and he's very um, emotional. Um, and it's just like a nice thing to see. Uh, like it definitely shows that he's sort of matured uh, in a way compared to how he was in, in Battle Tendency. When a man becomes a dad, a <laughs> metamorphosis takes place. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happened to him. Every once in a while in part three, he's just like, dad mode activated. When a man gets a metal hand. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, like, it's also like, contra um, contrasted with Polnareff being like, okay, GTFO. And she's like, no. <laughs> and then Joseph's like, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Like, I'd say, like, I think when we sort of talked about all the introduction of the Crusaders and kind of like filed everyone into different categories and like Joseph is like he's the goofy dad and like Avdol is the serious dad you know the two dads of the group <laughs> you got goofy dad you got wisdom dad then you got Jotaro <laughs> <laughs> you got that weird cousin that just is a delinquent that never says anything at the family reunions then you got the very loud cousin that will never shut up. He shows up in... Jotaro's the type of guy who will show up to a wedding in an MCR t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> he don't play by the rules. And then you got Cac, who is always never talking with... He's, he's the cousin that's never talking with the other cousins. He's ta always talking with the aunts and uncles. You got Khaki over here. You got Khaki. <laughs> I just thought of, like, the pants. Exactly, khaki. that's what I was going for. <laughs> you got khaki over here. Got, I like, refuse to call him anything else. khaki pants. <laughs> oh, I hate that. That's so cursed. Oh, man. Um, yeah, and I don't have anything else to say about Wheel of Fortune. Uh, or... I have one thing about Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, go for it. So we, we love a good, we stand the whole Destiny vibes we get going through the whole show. Mm -hmm. But then at one point, the, the, the what's his name? <laughs> Jotaro. <laughs> I, I forgot exactly what, I also, was it um, ZZ was the stand right. user, ZZ top, but he didn't have a cool beard. How sad. Um <laughs> He said something about, like, I don't know what he... I forgot what he said, but Jodron's response oh. was, in life, you have to forge your own path. We love a good uh, thematic callback. Definitely. Um, I don't know if we should talk about this in the silly stuff or not, but an, an extremely meta moment is when he thinks that he's killed Jodoro, and he's like, part three is over. <laughs> and it's like, What? He literally gets lit on fire. Yeah. And then he's like, how about I dig? <laughs> then he emerges from the ground. He punches a hole through the ground and is like, hello, I am a plant. And it doesn't even look like the ground's like been disturbed at all. So it's like... <laughs> Just... Also, <laughs> probably the most badass thing I've ever heard in my life when Jotaro yeets Wheel of Fortune... Mm -hmm. And it creates a dirt path. He said, see, you made your own path. You're a fast learner. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's good. Jotaro actually has a lot of badass moments in these episodes. I think the the whole Qtaro moment is Cute. very cool. Honestly. I mean, it's it's a little bit goofy because it's Q, but like, you know... It's still like a nice reveal, sort of like, uh, it's kind of like at the end of Ocean's Eleven, you know, where they show like how they 
got away with the heist, uh, like despite everything. Um, but like obviously on a much much smaller scale. You can really tell what kind of person he is because he chose the letter Q. <laughs> this is a lot about a person. That really shows his delinquent tendencies and his very, <laughs> very no, mild, very mild shitlord vibes. He doesn't put the U after the Q. So <laughs> yeah. Therefore, he's a delinquent. Gotcha. Yes, All right. that, that's it. That's it right there. Um, he thinks Q is a vowel. He doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> Whatever that, whatever he plays, Hank Man, the first letter he always guesses is Q. <laughs> I had such a problem getting that out of my mouth because I kept imagining that and I don't know why it was so funny. Just someone just saying Q every time. Jotaro, Q's already on the board. <laughs> I said Q. Um, so should we talk about the silly stuff in the show and not the silly stuff we imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a hot couple more intelligent things to say. Oh, yeah, go for it. Intelligent things. Um, there's this one tiny little moment when Anyaba's about to make Volnerov like a toilet. <laughs> I promise this is serious. <laughs> I promise it's serious. And then he says, oh, God, help me. And then Jotaro kicks down a door. It's like, yes, here's God, ready to help you. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a good transition where he's like, oh, God, help me. And it's just literally him kicking down a door. I never thought about it that way, but that actually makes a lot of sense given God. the last episodes. Also, Nena manipulating Polnareff to buy time and our poor boy is thoroughly even more traumatized than he already was. <laughs> I have something to bring up in the silly stuff about that as well. But... Oh, and then I have one smart thing to say. One more. Um, I think it's about um, dumb of asshole of horse. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with a thing where it's it's so... So you got Enyaba and you got Whole Horse, and they're the only two enemy stand users TM that appear, like, several times. The rest mm-hmm. of them, it's just, like, they get their two-parter or their one episode, and nope, they're gone now, no more. But then you got, like, Oingo and or Boingo, who Boingo appears twice, but right. it's not a whole lot. But then you got Whole Horse, who appears, I think, a solid three times, and then Enyaba, who appears often. So you got these two, and I feel like they're both very memorable, and Yabo's just great. Mm-hmm. Like, she's kind of terrifying. She's very different from all the other enemy stand users, and the fact that she's an old lady who's very unhinged. And then you right. got Hole of Horse, and I was like, you know, all the JoJo fans love this man. And I just think the reason we all love this bastard is because he appears several times, but he's, even in that case, he's different from Enyaba because he's, like, completely neutral in a weird way. He doesn't actually care about Dio because he, like, tried to shoot him at one point. Um, And in these episodes, he actually had a common enemy that is Enya, Enyaba, whatever. Um, So they... They weren't, no, you know, they didn't fight Whole Horse. He was just there. So it was like an odd, weird, it wasn't an alliance, but it was, they both had a common enemy and then he like stole their car later, but you know, that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, uh, like Whole Horse is in it for himself. Um, yeah. And I think that's I like even, people stand that. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, it does make him relatable in a sense. I remember, I think, I believe there's an interview where, um, Araki said that, like, in very early drafts of Stardust Crusaders, um, Whole Horse was going to join the team. Oh, that um, would have been interesting. Yeah, which would have been <laughs> definitely interesting, but he was sort of, I believe the reason he said why Whole Horse didn't is that, like, Araki, like, really loves the cowboy trope, and he didn't want to have a character who was, like, villainous at first, and then, you know, turns around to be the hero like he just felt like that wasn't fitting um so uh you know that's that's why steel ball run is like cowboy themed 
Um, I'm a cowboy <laughs> on a steel horse. On a whole horse. <laughs> whole, one whole horse. An entire horse. Um, and also we got the fact that I feel like he's the only character in at least part three, but definitely one of the very few characters in the whole franchise that literally is completely in it for himself and nobody else. Like, he doesn't give any shits about anyone else. Right. So he's just like a re- a strange wild card that appears every once in a while to cause problems on purpose. I do think it's interesting when he steals uh, the car uh, that he's like, um, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm going back to, to Dio's side. Um, you know, it sort of is like, almost like maybe he was thinking about signing up with uh, Jotaro's team, but, like, at, at the last minute, decided not to. He wasn't even fully on Dio's team. He, like, tried to shoot him at one point. It's, like, the only reason he stayed with Dio is, one, he was probably being paid, and, two, Dio was just too terrifying for him to go against. You know, he was that's... just trying to live his damn life. That's another point about Enyaba is that... Um, She's one of the few stand users who's, like, not a mercenary. Um, She's just in it to see what our boy will do next. She literally said that. Right, exactly. Um, And I think, like, even Jay Guile is is getting paid. Um, At the very least, like, Whole Horse is. um, Dio get all this freaking money? (laughs) He invests in the stock market? (laughs) Um, um, uh, do you remember when part five takes place? Um, off the top of your head? 2001, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, I was just thinking, like, if if there's a JoJo part that's around, like, 2008, 2009, (laughs) that motherfucker's responsible for the, the, the housing crash. (laughs) Dio just killed the economy. (laughs) It's his fault. I blame the Great Depression on Dio. Um, yeah, so. I think that is still, I don't have any more smart things to say. Okay, so on to the silly stuff, which there is quite a bit of in these episodes. Okay, Um, so we got, I do got one thing. Where where is it? I lost it. Oh yeah, when Jotaro pays a seamstress in Afghanistan, I think. No, it was Pakistan. Pakistan. When he pays a seamstress in Pakistan <laughs> to make him another Japanese school uniform, exactly like his original. <laughs> and even she's confused. She was like, This is very specific. Yeah, it's pretty funny. The dedication that he and Katsumi have to the school uniforms is to be admired. It's it's such a good running joke. I just <laughs> I I had to wear a uniform in middle school, and let me tell you, I ripped that thing off the soon as soon as I got home. <laughs> Every chance I took to not wear it, I took. Yeah, I had a uniform for um, quite a number of years in middle school and high school. Um, and I, I, I can relate. <laughs> Why do school uniforms exist? They're so dumb. I'm not going to lie. I think the idea is like, you know, it's supposed to foster, you know, like community or like, uh, like you know, make, make kids follow the rules and stuff. But it don't. It's just no more fashion expression. Right. Uh, Sad me in middle school who like in high school and in college was just like, yes, I'm going to just dress as crazy I can possibly do. I'm going to look like a real-life stand user today. And I'm going to wear day. orange pants, and no one's going to stop me. That's, <laughs> that's me. I wish I had orange pants, but I don't. <laughs> Ooh, also... We'll get you those pot, part five pants for birthday. I need birthday. the part five pants. They're so good. They're so well-designed. I remember when I, like, sent them to you, and then you <laughs> said back... He said, I'm so surprised. I think you said something like, I'm so surprised you don't already have those. I feel like the universe just should have given them to you on principle. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they should have. 
Um, one thing I think is kind of humorous um, from the the Empress episodes is just like Nina's like dead, you know, not even like paying attention face to Polnareff's antics. Like she is the least interested woman on the planet. Like, <laughs> she does not care. <laughs> and at one point he actually gives her good advice. He's like, whole horse is a bastard. He doesn't actually care about you. But then he's like, but I care about you. And I'm like, you stupid. Why? what could have that could have been great advice but then you were like i want to hook up with you come on nina why don't you date a nice stand user for <laughs> once oh god <laughs> oh god that's so cursed <laughs> who also we got he's like that cartoon cheese you see on tom and jerry oh yeah it's, there's so many weird references it's called swiss cheese polner swiss of cheese um, yeah, they bring a 007 up. movie was filmed here, and John Lennon once stayed here. Really? No. <laughs> and uh, Polnareff uh, is like, uh, he jokes like, hey, my name kind of sounds like Paul from <laughs> the Beatles. <laughs> Paul McCartney. My autograph is worse, is worse as Vincent's. <laughs> my <laughs> autograph is worse as much as Lennon's. I am Polnareff. <laughs> and, and yeah, I would say I'll keep it for all time to commemorate the day I murdered you. In general, uh, all of Anyaba's interactions with Polnareff are hilarious. Um, Polnareff's just sheer obliviousness is like so funny. Like when he, uh, you know, they're chilling out in the lounge, and Polnareff just goes like. Oh, you don't have any family? Like, not even a son? Well, you can call me son. And he starts giving her a shoulder rub, and she, at that point, just, like... Is losing it internally. Exactly. Screaming internally. <laughs> like... she, she's actually screaming. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's so good. It's such a good setup. Polnareff is so lovely. He's actually a, it's like through this, it's like, he's actually a really nice dude. He's just like, I'll be your son. I'll help you out while I'm here. But then right. <laughs> little does he know. Um, I, she stabs I, him with a pair of scissors. Really just like the way Anyaba moves is hilarious. Um, the moment where he's be- Polnareff is being chased by the zombies and like, uh, and Yaba, who is a very elderly woman who walks with a cane, is, like, keeping up with, like, prime of his youth Polnareff. <laughs> and he's just like, this is terrifying. <laughs> like, she is fast. <laughs> is, uh, t- she's terrifying. <laughs> she is terrifying. I wouldn't want her as my mother. No, no, no. <laughs> I wouldn't want Jay Guile as any relation to me. No. <laughs> I wouldn't like to be alive in the same period of time that he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to think of, like, other funny stuff. Ooh, I got one. Yeah. When Jotaro defeated um, Justice, I will inhale your stand. <laughs> he just inhales it, the whole thing. Like, how? It's extremely random. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So Star Platinum is super dummy thick everywhere, and apparently his lungs are just massive. <laughs> Star Platinum is, I mean, even though I think Star Platinum is cool, Star Platinum is also like the, he's like plot sealing, you know? Yes. Like plot every sealing. time a, a fight is happening and like Star Platinum's involved and it seems impossible, Star Platinum just pulls a new ability out of its ass. <laughs> like Time to breathe really hard. <laughs> um or like like star finger i think is the ultimate star example finger yes just gonna it just reminds me of that meme oh yeah it's fingers so good in his ass, fingers in his ass. oh i thought you were bringing up the the bernie sanders oh, joe biden one that was my that's also a very good one where it's Throwback just like all the way to the first or second episode of this podcast where you brought that up 
just like freaking it's just the democratic debate and it's just cnn topic star finger and then there's just birdie but then there's like a purple one behind him and his fingers are just going through joe biden's face so random but i love the, it the part that gets me the most is where it says topic star finger <laughs> um but yeah the whole breathing thing is like pretty like all right come on guys he's gonna breathe really hard and then i'm gonna win I also like that he tries, like, punching it first. Like, <laughs> punch the fog. I do that all the time. Punch. <laughs> punch air. Sometimes you just gotta punch air. <laughs> um, let's see, we already brought up the, the part three is over thing from Wheel of Fortune. Ooh, also, we got... Why do I, am I, why am I always getting ambushed in bathrooms? <laughs> Like, getting just completely self-aware of how weird that is. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, one thing from the Wheel of Fortune fight that, I, I mean, I don't know if this is intentional or not, to, like, I feel like, you know, ZZ is probably a reference to ZZ Top. Um, and, like, that's the master of uh, Wheel of Fortune. Um, and he... Uh, the fact that he's like super buff, but like his legs are his his arms are super buff, but his legs are like bean poles. Like it makes me wonder if that's a joke. Like, you know, he's ZZ Top, so like he skips like leg day. He only focuses <laughs> on the top half of his body. Wait, that's so dumb, but I love it. <laughs> I mean, like that guy's going like straight up Donkey Kong, you know, just in terms of like. His arms are buff, but his you know the, legs are not. You know the Donkey Kong rap? Yeah, the DK rap. <laughs> his coconut gun, it shoots his first, but if it hits you, it's gonna hurt. <laughs> All right, this is official. We'll get, we'll, Emily, we'll get you on post-game content to sing the, the DK rap. <laughs> I only know that one. <laughs> That's literally, I don't know the rest of it. Um... Side note, one of my favorite jokes revolving that is, like, it it starts, like, um, you know, the whole DK rap is, like, saying what member of, like, the DK crew they are. And there's one where it's, like, roses are red, violets are blue, and it's, like, a present, and it's a Donkey Kong amiibo inside. It's, like, roses are red, violets are blue. He's the first member of the DK crew. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's... I love that's... that meme. <laughs> very good high quality um but yeah uh yeah like we said wheel of fortune's a pretty forgettable episode um <laughs> just really kind of is and um <laughs> oh wait i have one more silly thing yeah go for it so when polnareff is being silly and flirting with an old lady and you just have that one shot of them laughing together and just both of their poses especially polnareff's is great like oh, it's just yeah. that shot is brilliant and then after like immediately afterwards she's like i hate you i want to kill you <laughs> yeah I, I i would watch a super cut of like all of Inyaba and polnareff's interactions it's it's brilliant <laughs> he's such a strange man um <laughs> yeah i uh <laughs> the dk rap is stuck in my head i can't do anything now <laughs> well maybe we unless you have any other silly stuff maybe we should end the episode in that I case don't have any other silly stuff all right so uh if you want to keep up with uh all the oh oh my god I, i'm so i i missed up i messed up the order <laughs> i'm not gonna cut that but i <laughs> to start from the beginning. Um, Everyone needs to know that you messed up, Tom. <laughs> I mean, we've been doing this for four months, so like... We've I, been messing up every time for four months. Anyway, um, if you want to see all the silly, semi-serious stuff that I post about in my free time, you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas M. Brickman. Um, I also do another podcast with my buddy Kevin, uh, which I just me mentioned five seconds ago. Uh, you can find that on YouTube. At, it's called uh, Post Game Content. And keep up with all the news and stuff regarding that at Post Game Con, at Post Game Con. Uh, I'm probably going to be planning a solo Let's Play uh, that's going to go up on that channel um, just because we're sort of 
in between episodes right now, um, and some stuff came up on Kevin's end. So uh, if you want to look forward to that Let's Play, uh, be sure to follow all those socials in the channel. And uh, Emily, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, a place, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that popular, I don't think. But, uh, it's not. <laughs> At Emily Vinkles, I post things. And uh, if you want to keep up with all the news and uh, hilarious memes that Emily finds and occasionally makes, uh, you can follow the show at I Want to Fight AR1 on Twitter and I Want to Fight Arkea on Instagram. And with all that said, we'll see you guys next time when we cover Stardust Crusaders episodes 16, 17, and 18. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>